Hey, Dunker Punks. Matt Riddle again, still pastor at the Arlington Church of the Brethren. And here we are with part three of our very special four-part series, The Dunker Punks Live from Annual Conference. In this podcast, we'll hear from two people in denominational leadership. At the time of recording this podcast, Tim McElwee was the moderator of the Church of the Brethren, and Madeline Metzger was the moderator-elect. Now, you'll be hearing this after conference is over, and at the end of conference, everyone moves up a spot. So Tim moves into an advisory position, and Madeline is the current moderator for the denomination. Our brother moderator, Tim, did an excellent job in his two-year tenure as moderator-elect and then moderator, drawing special attention, as he says in the interview you're about to hear, to those pushed to the margins of church life or society. This drew both criticism and gratitude from people, which is how you know you're doing something right. And I, for one, applaud Tim and put my hat in the camp with those who are thankful. It's important to note that we never speak for those without a voice, but rather add our voice to those who aren't being listened to or amplify the voice of those voices who aren't being heard. I'm so appreciative of Tim's efforts to do just that. I admit, if you'll indulge me a moment of uh, personal privilege, I do this podcast introduction with more joy than usual, Dunker Punks. Madeline, the current moderator of the Church of the Brethren, was the first person to ask me to serve in church leadership. I was 15, on our way home together from the 1994 National Youth Conference. And the 16 or so year old Madeline asked me to join the district youth cabinet. Madeline and I served on that district youth cabinet for a couple of years together before she went on to serve on the national youth cabinet, which I ended up serving on after her term expired too. I've known Madeline since then, and there are few people that I hold with more regard or respect than Madeline. In addition to being honored to call her a friend, I want to note that Madeline is only the second woman of color ever to serve as moderator. And as she points out, among the younger moderators we've had as well. While the church is full of wonderful people of great character who could all excel as moderator, I am so appreciative of the effort Tim put forward to try to be a good advocate for every child loved by God so that no child would be left out and personally could not feel that the church is in better hands than with Madeline. With that, I want to bring you the leaders of this conversation, Emmett Wachowski-Eldridge and Devin Dixon-Rosario. Hi, welcome everybody. Uh, thank you for coming out to this live recording of the Dunker Punks podcast here at Annual Conference. Uh, this is night three. Um, we are really delighted to have both the current moderator and the moderator-elect with us uh, this evening, and we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves. My name is Emmett Wachowski-Eldred. I'm one of the hosts of the Dunker Punks podcast. My name is Devin Dixon-Rosario. And Tim McElwee. Madeline Metzger. And Devin, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for our first question, um, getting to know the both of you, um, we just kind of wanted to get a little background um, from you both. So tell us who you are, where you're from, what you do, um, all those kinds of things. 
Oh, Tim wants me to go first, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I grew up in central Illinois, uh, just outside of Springfield, and um, grew up in the Springfield, Illinois First Church of the Brethren in the, in the Illinois, Wisconsin district. Um, whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> we got some fans in the crowd. Um, yeah, so grew up there, graduated from high school, and uh, made my way over to Manchester College. It was college at the time, whoa, whoa. Uh, <laughs> and that's where I got my, my undergraduate degree in interpersonal and organizational communications. Uh, fast forward to um, now, so I live in northern Indiana, just north of Goshen, Indiana, um, I, and I attend the Goshen City Church of the Brethren. Uh, I'm married. My husband, Chris Brownlee, is a... Uh, uh, contemporary jazz saxophonist, recording artist, and film and video composer. Incredible performer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, uh, in my day job, you know, when I'm not supporting Tim mm. uh, at this year's annual conference, I'm the vice president of marketing for Everance Financial, which is a, a national faith-based financial services company that was founded by the Mennonites, uh, formerly known as Mennonite Mutual Aid, headquartered in Goshen, Indiana, and that's that's where I work out of. So I, I uh, lead a 19-member marketing national marketing team for Everance. We don't know if, how Madeline ends up with so many more hours in the day than the rest of us, but she must have at least 10 extra hours every day. It's called day because, sleep deprivation. Well, we don't know how she does it all. I'll give the quick summary. Um, I'm from Roman Catholic background. Joined the Church of the Brethren in Warrensburg, Missouri, which is where Jacob's from. <laughs> this time Jacob's going, whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> And, and joined the church um, primarily because I had um, understood myself as a pacifist, and the pastor there was saying everything I was yearning to understand about the theological, biblical basis for pacifism. So joined the Warrensburg Church 50-some years ago, um, did some, a couple of years of Brethren Volunteer Service, graduated from Manchester College, whoa, whoa. just like my sister <laughs> I feel like I have here. to now. <laughs> And, uh, and then Bethany Seminary, and then back to Manchester. I had this thing with Manchester where I would leave and come back, and I would leave and come back. So I was, I was campus pastor at Manchester. I went back to graduate school, uh, did my graduate work after Bethany at Purdue University in international relations with a focus on, on peace studies, and was director of the Washington office, uh, the Church of the Brethren office, and, and now it's called the Office of Peacebuilding and Policy used to be called the Washington office. Back and forth to Manchester, I won't bore you with all those details. Uh, I, I retired in October of 19 and was uh, thoroughly enjoying my life as a retired guy until this curious thing happened. Um, and um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's been an absolute honor. Uh, to serve as moderator and the previous year as moderator-elect, um, but it, um, it certainly hasn't been retirement living like I knew for a, a little while before this came along, which is, again, why I sit in, and marvel mm -hmm. at all that Madeline's able to do in her role as moderator-elect, where she's been extremely important on the leadership team and also has this so-called day job. And she's also a professor at a couple of different schools. She didn't even mention that. Yeah, true so. story. True story. <laughs> I, I teach undergraduate strategic marketing management at Eastern Mennonite University. And graduate 
strategic marketing management through Bluffton University. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> All that. And soon to be moderator. Soon to be moderator. Um, so in saying all of that, I think we'd also like to know um, about your answering your call to be moderator um, and moderator elect. How does that look for you? Um, and why, why the heck did you say yes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let Tim go first on that one. Um, I'll, again, I'll try to be brief. I, I, a couple of, of friends of mine, um, when I was still in my working years, had said to me, I'd like to nominate you for this moderator deal. And I said, there is just no way in the world I could do justice to my day job and be moderator. Um, so sorry, but I just couldn't with integrity say yes when I know it would spread me so thin. I wouldn't do either at all well. Back to the marveling at Madeline syndrome here. So one of those friends um, I think it was maybe a month after I retired. Called me up and said, how about now? <laughs> they were waiting. They had it marked on the calendar, I think. Um, so again, I, I, um, I do consider it a tremendous honor. I, I honestly thought there was no way in the world. Um, a Manchester person, a former peace studies professor, a person who has been on the progressive side of, of theology and politics my entire adult life. Um, I eventually said, okay, I mean, I, it's not even gonna get out of nominating committee, so what do I really have to worry about? Um, so um, my lovely wife, Linda, has convinced me that I should quit saying this, but I used to say um, it was some kind of cosmic accident. But the reason that she's convinced me that that's the wrong way to describe it is because I think it really is a denial of the movement of the spirit, and I don't want to be about that. I don't understand it. I really don't. But I also know that I believe in our centuries-old tradition of calling forth leadership, and I am absolutely convinced the Holy Spirit is involved in that process, and so how could I not but say yes, even though I was stunned when I heard the announcement? So there's some similarities with my story as well. Um, so I was contacted by the annual conference office, and they let me know that uh, more than one person had nominated me or, or submitted my name for consideration for um, the moderator-elect position. And um, kind of like Tim, my mind was blown a bit. I grew up in the Church of the Brethren. I'm very familiar with the role and its, you know, its importance in the life of the church and never once imagined that I would ever be called to that position. Um, also had some serious doubts as to the viability of such a thing because, um, I mean, well, first of all, let's face it, there's not been a lot of moderators elected who look like me. Um, I mean, I'm not the youngest person to be um, called to the position, but I am among the youngest. Um, not that I'm young. I'm not young. But <laughs> you are to me. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm not the first woman to be called, but, you know, it's not 
been that long since the first woman was called, at least in the, you know, the arc of history. Um, I'm, I'm a lay person. I'm, I'm not licensed or, or ordained. I didn't go to seminary. Um, and I'm, I'm not retired. <laughs> and, um, oh, and also I'm, I'm a person of color. And, um, yeah, there's so many, so many things that I could think of that it's like, well, that's not, that's not who is typically called to this role. Um, but ultimately, that's why I decided to go ahead and tell standing committee that they could consider my name because uh, I have been among some of the voices over the years that has uh, been encouraging the denomination to think outside the box. And, um, you know, if, if we want to have new ideas and different ideas and a, a diversity of ideas and, um, and approaches within the church, if we want to continue to evolve as a church um, and, and serve the people in the communities that we want to serve, we, we need to have different voices at the table. And so ultimately, I decided I would go ahead and, and, and let standing committee consider me for the ballot still thinking there was no way I was actually going to make it onto the ballot um, because I thought, you know, I should practice what I'm preaching and I should also be open to the movement of the mm. Holy Spirit as well. So, uh, Tim, you had referred to it as the curious thing of being called to be moderator. And I think that's a familiar sent sentiment also for those of us who come to annual conference or are generally familiar with the fact that there is a person called the moderator, but potentially don't know what the moderator is. You're the curious thing to us. Are you the Pope? Are you the prime minister? What are you? So um, I'm curious if both of you could talk a little bit about what you expected the role to be versus how you've found the role to be. And also um, one observing the nice rapport between the two of you, a little bit about you know the relationship between moderator and moder moderator elect. Yeah. I would just start by saying if, if this is considered the Pope of the denomination, then I'd like to see Tim in the hat. <laughs> <laughs> the, that's one of many reasons I left the Roman Catholic tradition. And, um, no, I, um, l let me say that I um, deeply appreciate the fact that the Church of the Brethren calls the moderator from the members. Uh, I, I mentioned that the other night. That's part of that presbyterial structure that we believe the spirit moves best through the gathered community and through the body. Popes are elected by colleges of cardinals who get there having been bishops and are called, as it were, but it's essentially an appointment. That kind of a hierarchical approach has never sat well with me, but I firmly believe in the movement of the spirit coming from the grassroots upward as we all try to discern what does the church need just now and how might the background and the gifts of this individual match where the church is growing. So we certainly are not popes, uh, we're not bishops. Um, we try our best to be truly servant leaders. And you know, as I, I mentioned the other night, I really think one of the most important roles of the moderator is to really try to listen well and to what we hear. And part of our job is, as Madeline is learning quickly as her schedule gets even more full than it has been, 
We are called to visit with as many district conferences as we can, or at, uh, I had the pleasure of going to National Youth Conference as well and listening well there as best I could, and, and lots of other congregational visits, um, any kind of district gathering we can get to, because the moderator's role is to listen well and then to try the best she or he can to interpret what we're hearing about where the church is and where the church is growing. Uh, that's, that's the most concise way I think I could describe it, Emmett, but happy for Madeline's so. thought. No, I think that's a, that's a good description. Um, the only thing that I would add is, um, so from our Anabaptist side, uh, we, we believe that we're called to live in community with one another, in service to one another and to God. And on, on our Pietist side, we also believe in um, what you might hear some people refer to as the priesthood of all believers. So again, getting to what Tim was saying about how leadership is called from the body, um, I, I feel like an, an additional role of the moderator is, is to um, help facilitate and guide the conversation within the body of Christ, within the denomination, as to where do we collectively feel like um, we are called to serve through the example set for us by Christ and also the movement of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. As for our rapport, that's interesting that you bring that up. So I actually, I feel really, really fortunate to be um, moderator-elect while, while Tim is moderator. Um, and I do think that we probably have a, a pretty unique relationship in that uh, Tim was actually one of my mentors in college. I actually interned for him. And so we've, we've actually known each other for a long time. We've worked together. Uh, I consider him a, a dear friend. And um, so we didn't even have to get to know each other after I was elected. We just kind of automatically yeah. just like went back to our former roles of working together and so yeah maybe it does seem like we have a pretty easy yeah. camaraderie but that's why we have we've known each other for over 20 years yeah so. i i can remember distinctly when the ballot came out last year and it was clear that madeline was going to be on that ballot for moderator elect and our church the manchester church has a, a, a wonderful sing me home tradition of some concerts that we have out on a, in a little prairie right behind our sanctuary and Madeline doesn't live too far away in Bristol, Indiana. So she came to that gathering soon after that ballot was out and we just looked at each other and said, this would be so great. We were, we were astounded at yeah. the possibility. But both of us not, not sure, of course, how, yeah. how the spirit would move and how the delegate body would ultimately vote. But yeah, it's been great. Um, so I'm curious to know, um, in your short times as moderator, um, if you could pick one thing, what, what is one thing that you hope for just in your time um, doing this work? Hmm. I'll let you take that one first. I'll tell you what popped into my mind immediately, Devin. Um, it is the issue um, uh, on which I have received by far the most criticism. And I have to also say some wonderful loving support. And it's this, every time I took time to stop and pray and to meditate on what this calling is, every time 
What came to me so clearly was a call to try to be an advocate for the marginalized in the Church of the Brethren. And the Latin root for advocate is the word advocare, which means to speak on behalf of. So I have felt called to try to speak on behalf of people who, for whatever reason, aren't in the positions, aren't able to speak for themselves about their justice concerns, their sense of being dismissed or rejected, whatever that might be. But I want to very carefully caution that by saying I also know fully as an old, white, straight man, I can't possibly really speak on behalf of any of those marginalized people that I have felt so called to try to speak on behalf of, which is why I've tried to organize some of the work I've done, such as the Shalom Conversation webinars, where I invited people who are among many different groups of brethren who have been pushed to the margins and, and ask them to grace us with their stories, to share with us their lived experiences so that we might all better understand not only what they've experienced, what they've gone through, what their life is like, but even more, if they can hear those stories, I'm convinced that's how the Holy Spirit changes hearts and moves us towards being more loving. That's why that theme, Living God's Love, came to me, because I felt so clearly every time I prayed, that calling. Um, Tim's calling is, it really resonates with me as well. I'm, I've long been a, a passionate peace and justice um, worker and supporter, and um, so I'm not trying to steal his thunder at all. I, I, this is getting somewhere, I promise. <laughs> um, but I, I exist in that space differently than Tim. Absolutely I'm a different right. generation. I'm a different gender. I'm a different um, racial ethnic background. Um, so all of what Tim has said really resonates with me personally. But what I also feel called or hope that I can help the denomination with is uh, a reminder that Christ called us to love one another. Mm. Um, and I, not to get negative, because I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling negative, but um, I, in this day and age, I feel like we as a society and as a church, it's become really easy for us to forget that we are a community um, and we are in this together. And so I'm, I'm hoping that, that in some way or another, uh, my service in this role can, can help, help us reimagine and, and rebuild our community as, as a denomination. Yeah. All right, so we're getting the, uh, the shepherd's crook, so we have time for <laughs> one, one, more, one more question. And I think we had wanted to at least spend a moment um, talking about um, what you said Tuesday night, um, Tim. Um, yeah. It was obviously a, um, a moment where you, well, I'll let, I'll let you describe for the listening audience because this will go out as the podcast as well. If you could do like a 30-second pitch of, of what you said Tuesday night and then we'll have like a follow-up question about that. That's a challenge, Emmett, but I'll, uh, I'm also from Irish background. and we, we, we have the gift of gab, you know, we Irish. Um, I think it would, it would be this. Um, 
we have annual conference statements. We have standing committee decisions that over the years have made some very clear pronouncements, like all war is sin, for example. But we also have a whole series of those, um, what used to be general board, now mission and ministry board, and standing committee resolutions that reflect the fact that this church is a church that has said, we make denominational decisions through these agencies, but the Brethren way is the way of listening, the way of patience, the way of forbearance, so that annual conference decisions are invitations rather than mandates. And since we've lived into that and we have learned how at the congregational level to welcome people who feel in good conscience they can join the military, and we've done that at the district level when we've allowed congregations to refuse to consider women for pastoral placement, we can on the denominational level, we can agree to disagree and we can say, let each congregation do its own biblical interpretation, its own theological analysis, its own prayer to decide how it wants to focus on the issue of LGBTQ justice and let those congregations be who they genuinely are with integrity and let's just stop trying at the denominational level to resolve this issue through yet another annual conference query statement resolution. That, that I think would be a quick summary, Emmett. Okay. And then the, just the brief follow-up is, so the, this podcast, the Dunker Punks podcast, is in many ways about, you know, imagining the future of the church. It's a young adult-focused podcast, um, and we have a, you know, real co core commitment to um, many justice causes, and one of those is the absolute affirmance of, of LGBTQ individuals. And yeah. um, so... Re recognizing the you know the immense the immense you know courage it took you to throw out your remarks um, that that night and, and speak from your heart about what you felt was necessary, I think one question that we had was you know as we continue as young adults to have this conversation and to continue to want to form the church that we want to see, including a church that we feel is proud to proclaim that we welcome everybody, how should we you know navigate what you are suggesting and also our own desire that we we have that church? I'll just say one real fast one, and I don't want to dominate this. Um, I, I was just uh, had the honor of hosting a reception um, uh, for people who identify as LGBTQ, and one of the things I stressed there was we have got to listen to young people. We, that's how the Mennonite Church USA moves so much further than we have on issues related to LGBTQ justice to the point where People can be pastors without worry in, in MCUSA congregations, and money is appropriated for education among MCUSA congregations. Listening to the young people is how they got there. I think that's one of the best ways we as a denomination can get there. But Madeline knows the Mennonite Church far better than I do. And so I don't know if you want to say more about that from your own no. experience or... I think you stated it pretty well. Well, <laughs> But I would, I would say that I think that we need to... Like, we learn from our history, right? Like, that doesn't mean that we live in the past, but we learn from our history. And I think we need to remember that we, the... the the Church of the Brethren movement came out of a desire to um, 
to allow the community, to allow the body of Christ to interpret scripture together, but directly also with our own relationship with, with God. And, and you know, we literally historically fled to escape yeah. um, religion by force. And, um, and so I think that um, we've always been a people who have not always 100% agreed with each other. Uh, church has always been messy. It's never been, it's never been easy, right? And, and I, so I think I've used this phrase in other settings before, and I've kind of been teased about it, but I think we need to be willing and, and uh, vulnerable enough to live in the ambiguity and, um, and alongside that, live in relationship with one another, mm. even if we don't agree. Mm. Um, because, I mean, we're never going to, there's never going to be 100% agreement on every single thing. We can strive for that, but that doesn't mean just blind agreement. It, it means wrestling with it and talking about it and being in relationship with one another and understanding someone else's perspective. Um, and yeah, just like living through that together, even if it's ambiguous for a while. You see why the church is in such capable hands <laughs> in just a day and a half as our new moderator will be taking on this important role. So I'm just very serious, in very good hands. So grateful for it. All right. Well, uh, thank you both for joining us. Thank you, Devin, um, as well for co-hosting. And um, yeah. we really appreciate it. And check us out on Dunker, or AllingtonCOB.org slash DPP is where you can find the Dunker Punks podcast. We certainly encourage you to listen. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thank you. Well, thank you so much again to Emmett and Devin and Tim and Madeline for that amazing time together. I love particularly that last question. What do we do when progress is less than what we dream for? Well, Dunker Punks, I thought we could close with a prayer. A prayer to those whose voice has been ignored, whose pain has been overlooked, whose voice is heard but not adhered to the voices that are not listened, to the voices not at the table to even talk. A prayer to those working on baby steps forward. A prayer who for those who stay, who stay and do the hard work of slowly winning more hearts and minds and encouraging the quiet to speak up. A prayer to those who leave because they feel they are no longer welcome and staying is too hurtful. A prayer for small steps, a prayer for large steps, and a prayer for the day when every child of God can know that they are fully embraced by the church, by Christians, and by God. And that day, friends, we pray and we live for. Amen.